African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Uh, thank you for joining us on the frequencies. Uh, we're no longer on DSTV. I mean, on shortwave. I'm so used to that. But uh, we're on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Uh, that's uh, DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And you can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. It is, and today we're looking at uh, the issue of the second term of Nigeria. Nigerian President Mohamedou Buhari's term in office and a very interesting one because we know that uh, his uh, first term he had a lot of uh, problems in terms of his illness and his health but Nigerian uh, President Mohamedou Buhari despite this has been sworn in for a second term at what many called a low-key inauguration ceremony in which he surprised many by not delivering a speech that was also interesting maybe it cites something to his illness the 76 year old former military leader faces a long list of challenges which include a sluggish economy, high unemployment and a decade-old Islamic insurgency. We know that even this week we had a few problems around uh, Boko Haram uh, in terms of uh, their attack uh, in military bases in the northeast of Nigeria's Bono State. So that's still a big challenge for the current uh, president. Uh, His four-year first term in which he rarely gave a public address was overshadowed by speculation about his health and as I'm suggesting and marked by a long absence abroad for medical treatment but he won a clear endorsement in February's election with 56% of the vote. Now, joining us back on our show, we've got Dr. Akinolo Alojo. He's the senior researcher at the Institute of Security Studies and the Transitional Threats and International Crime Department. And I have Dr. Jamam Lar, who is a political analyst, who will be joining us uh, in our program. And joining us once again uh, from uh, the UK is Dr. Olayinkwa Ajala, an associate lecturer at the University of York. It's great to be speaking to all of you once again. But let's start with the politics of Buhari's uh, election. Uh, Dr. Jamam Lar, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you, Benjamin. Always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Now, what do you think of the second term? Why do you think people went for Buhari? I mean, if I was an ordinary civilian in Nigeria, I would have actually had headaches seeing a president who was ill all the time and I couldn't really get access of him. I hardly heard of him. And he was always abroad for medical health. What do you think contributed to this idea that Nigerians entrusted him with this big post? Thanks, gentlemen. I think I think precisely is uh, Buhari. I think got a second term because the the opposition uh, People's Democratic Party. I think they were they were unable to to really um, prove to Nigerians that, uh, that that they were they were ready to take back power, having lost it in 2015. Now, um, even though you still have a lot of uh, former PDP politicians who are now in the ruling All Progressives Congress. I think the the fundamental issue was 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 the 
the, the, the candidates as formidable as uh, the PDP presidential candidate, the former vice president, Jacob Obokar, um, is as a, as a long-standing Nigerian politician, um, there is this uh, continued scar, this continued question mark about his integrity, about um, accusations of corruption. Uh, uh, and I think, I think, by and large, in spite of all the challenges, and let's be very clear, uh, the Buhari administration had several challenges. Let's remind ourselves, he came to power in 2015, promising to deliver on three key issues, the economy, security, and anti-corruption. And in the four years he was in power, um, a very, very patchy um, achievement in all these three key areas. And, and if you, we could discuss this in more detail as the program goes on, but it was very clear that um, all these promises that he made uh, in 2015, um, he, he was unable to deliver on them. And, and I think, uh, by and large, uh, as, as challenging as his first term was, um, I think the, when you look at the, the total uh, vote, the political geography of Nigeria in this 2019 elections, he was still able to garner enough votes, even though uh, the opposition made serious inroads in particular parts of the country where, where Buhari had comfortably won in 2015. And, and is, as he is going into a second term, I think as much as we still have issues with the economy, issues with security and anti-corruption, uh, we can also add that he needs to also deliver on issues of equity. Uh, generally, the first four years, Buhari has, has seemed to have been lopsided in the way he has gone about um, his appointments. You know, our Constitution recognizes federal character, is a federal character principle, uh, and, and this is about um, giving all parts of our very, very diverse country a sense of belonging. Uh, uh, Buhari has not mm. proven to have a proper strategy mm. in accommodating this very important principle. So I think mm. I think uh, 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 um, he basically uh, won the election, not necessarily because he had performed up to expectation, but I think the, the opposition was unable to prove to the Nigerian populace that they, they had a better alternative. Well, let me bring it to you there, um, Dr. Ajala. What are your thoughts around this? I mean, when I saw the win of uh, the President uh, Muhammadu Buhari, I was not necessarily surprised, but then I thought to myself, uh, if uh, the defeat of rival Atiku Abubakar was by three million votes, it just shows the weakness of opposition politics in the country because we know um, Muhammadu Buhari's uh, first run as president wasn't that great. Yeah, thank you very much for having me here. Um, Personally, I think uh, one of the reasons why he won was because of the inability of the coalition of political parties, the other smaller parties, to actually get a consensus candidate. Uh, because if you look at the uh, voter turnout, it is the lowest ever that you've ever seen. You've interviewed a lot of young people in the country, and many of them did not vote because they, they felt that voting was just wasting their time because there was no person to vote for. So when you look at the fact that um, it was just like a, 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 um, 
article about Bakta, which some people want to to engage with. Oh, I think we're struggling with that line there. Um, we'll see if we can sort it out there, uh, Dr. Ajala. Um, I think we're losing you a little bit there. There's a, I can't really hear you very clearly. So I'll take it back to our producers and see if uh, we can sort that out. But uh, while they're dealing with that particular problem, I'll come to you, Dr. Akinalo Alojo. Okay. You know, because just um, a few days after Democracy Day, when um, um, he was sworn in, uh, Muhammadu Buhari, and now we've seen uh, these uh, uh, Boko Haram seizes fire and raise on Nigerian army bases. So that's also another complication that he has to deal with, which is the security crisis in the country. Yes, um, thank you for having me. Um, indeed, um, we have seen um, mixed results in terms of uh, what um, the President Buhari administration um, has been able to do. Um, if you look at the first term, um, uh, during that period, you know, certain promises were made. And, you know, one of the three things which uh, was a promise was that the issue of insecurity and particularly uh, the, the insurgency in the northeast of the country was going to be addressed. In fact, by the end of 2015, um, President Buhari himself declared that um, Boko Haram was technically defeated. And, you know, that declaration was made a number of times after that period. But, of course, we all saw that uh, the group itself had uh, even, in fact, splintered, and there's a breakaway faction, which we now know as the Islamic State West Africa province, mm. uh, which has um, also been... Um, you know, launching attacks, you know, back-to-back attacks, especially since July 2018. So we've seen not just one group remain very active on the insurgency scene, but we've also seen a split, uh, you know, happening, and we also see how there is a transnational dimension to this, because we know that the Islamic State West Africa province uh, owes allegiance to the Islamic State, Uh, and we also know that uh, even when they launch attacks, and we see propaganda videos where they claim responsibility. Uh, we see the involvement of uh, uh, fighters from other countries. And, of course, we know that even neighboring countries like Chad, uh, Niger, Cameroon are all affected by this. And, you know, even in the background, you still have, uh, uh, you know, the ever-present challenge of internally displaced uh, persons um, going by the figures provided by the International Organization for Migration. We have 1.9 million people affected in Nigeria who are displaced, and around 4.3 million affected in the Lake Chad Basin countries as a whole. You know, so these promises made by uh, President Buhari uh, previously, um, some of them have been, uh, will I say, maybe realized to some extent, but then the general picture is still very, very uh, discouraging. And this is not to mention the fact that there are other security challenges linked to widespread abductions uh, happening in the South-South. We have armed banditry, which is very rife in the Northwest. You have uh, also the problem of farmers versus Fulani herdsmen, which has also been ongoing in recent months and actually for years. Um, you have the adverse impacts of climate change affecting the Lake Chad Basin, and where you have farmers, fishers, uh, owners of livestock, all bearing the consequence of a shrinking lake, you know, upon which their livelihoods depend. You know, we've seen, of course, I mean, to, to have a balanced picture of this, um, if you look at the, the broader picture, according to the, the Global Terrorism Index, the latest one, 
um, Boko Haram itself was listed as one of the four mm-hmm. deadliest mm-hmm. terror groups uh, globally. Mm-hmm. And you know you can appreciate the gravity of this mm-hmm. uh, when you look at you know that that kind that uh, that picture. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, so. Yeah. Let me take a quick break. We'll expound on that because that seems to be actually a shift in uh, the caliphate and also just the nature of uh, the uh, terrorism um, mechanizations that are taking place in the country. And then when we come back, I also want to get Dr. Ajala into the conversation since we lost him there uh, due to that uh, line there. But it's 20 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Remember, Channel Africa has a Facebook page simply titled Channel Africa, and we're asking this question um, in terms of saying that um, President uh, Muhammadu Buhari's first term was marred by ongoing illnesses. Do you think President Muhammadu Buhari will do much better in his second term? Go to our Facebook page. want to air your views there and uh, really uh, create more of a discussion that's outside the space of what's happening in our studio setup. So give us your comments there on our Channel Africa Facebook page. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One, and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And if you're streaming us online, remember we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. On our Facebook page, we're asking the question, his first term was marred by health problems. Do you think President Muhammadu Buhari will do a much better job in his second term? Give us your thoughts there as uh, this uh, discussion continues. In studio. If you're just joining us now, we've been speaking to Dr. Jimam Lar, who's and uh, he's a political analyst giving us his thoughts on this program and uh, Dr. Akinalo Alajo who's giving us uh, um, an insight especially on the security challenges in Nigeria he's the senior researcher at ISS and uh, that's the Institute of Security Studies and he's part of the Transitional Threats and International Crimes uh, Department there and Dr. Olayinkwa Ajala joins us, he's an associate lecturer joining us from the University University of York. Dr. Ajala, let's try to see if we can have a clearer line with you there. Are we clear enough from our side? 
Yeah, you're clear enough. Can you hear me? I can hear you clearer now. But you can continue. You okay. were giving us insights around what you think around uh, uh, Buhari's second term and some of the uh, challenges that he has, uh, especially with the fact that uh, in his uh, first term um, there wasn't much of uh, a strategy, especially when it comes to issues around the economy, issues around issues around terrorism that were highlighted by Dr. Uh, Alojo uh, in terms of the challenges that are still uh, continuing in the country in, in that front? Yeah, I absolutely agree with um, Dr. Lojo in terms of the fact that uh, he has not, the government has not been able to fulfill many of the things they promised in 2015. And going back to your other question um, regarding whether or not uh, President Buhari is going to do better this year, um, there are two approaches to the question because one of the reasons given by the state is the problem um, the executive had with the um, legislative arm of government, especially with uh, the outgoing Senate president, uh, Bukola Saraki. So several people in Nigeria believe that now with Saraki out of the question, if the APC-led government are able to get a legislative that can work uh, properly um, with the state, with the executive, then they could um, achieve more than they did in the first term, especially on things like... Um, um, corruption and all, and even insurgency in terms of working, having a cordial relationship with the legislative. But in terms of his health, um, I personally, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I don't think it's going to get any better. He's getting older. He's not getting any younger. Um, if he stays healthy in these next four years and um, reduces the number of times he travels, because the problem with the Nigerian government is even when um, he travels out of the country and the acting president comes in, the acting president sometimes is very incapacitated and not able to do anything. And then this just slows down governance in the country when the president is not around. So if he stays healthy and um, reduces his trip out of the country, together with uh, a cooperative legislative arm of government, I think they will do better in the second term. All right, let me come back to you, um, um, Dr. Lar, because the big challenge as well is... uh, the economy and uh, it seems like uh, they've come out uh, with the, the what they call the economic recovery and growth plan that's the Nigerian government it's, uh, it's been something that they've been launching maybe since two years ago but it seems that that plan is not really changing um, things as much as uh, the economy requires in the country, uh, especially when you look at the unemployment rate in in the country. Yeah, I I think if you if you look at the economic uh, challenges, if you look at the prospects, um, the Nigerian economy, of course, suffered a very severe recession. With the, with the drop in oil prices, uh, as you know, the Nigerian economy largely depends on oil uh, for for its, its growth. So, by and large, um, the, the the president has promised to give his team to try and diversify the economy. Uh, and when we talk about diversification, what we're talking about is agriculture, telecommunications, trade. Uh, but if we look at the present tax, if you take the African Development Bank's uh, projected growth tax for Nigeria, for example, 
uh, is quite sluggish. It's about 2.2, 2.3. Take a look at the World Bank's own stats. It's also very, very similar. In fact, if you also consider the statistics uh, and overall aggregates of statistics, including uh, Nigeria's bureau uh, for statistics, um, unemployment, uh, we are made to understand, is wavering between 20 to 20 three uh, uh, percent for, for last year and, and for this year. So uh, generally the, the most critical indicators uh, uh, are not looking very good. Um, so, so what is required is, is and, and, but even if we go away from the numbers and we try and look at the analysis of, of standards on the ground, the impact on the life of, of everyday Nigerians, we still see a very, very gloomy picture. Uh, but um, the, the positive side I want to make to that is that often um, when we analyze Nigeria as a unit case, uh, whether we, uh, we, 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 we use uh, global indices to analyze the economy on a, on a unit basis, uh, we don't get the true picture of what is going on. So uh, what I want to say in concluding this point is that we need to consider um, Nigeria according to its statistic state, uh, but also the, the political geopolitical zones, because there are statistic states, and there are some states where international revenue, IGR, but also uh, living standards, healthcare standards, educational standards, are really, really much better than in the other states. I think we tell you states where um, uh, the government has been fighting insurgency mm. uh, in the Northeast, for example. The indices there vary so much from um, states like in the Southwest, for example. So mm. I think to get a true picture, we need to aggregate even the country and mm. look at um, these uh, different zones within the country. Okay. I think, I think the, uh, if the Nigerian government wants yeah. to seriously uh, improve the economy, we have to start seeing the government improving the lot of, of everyday Nigerians. All these figures, all these numbers, if the if if the if if, if, if the life of the common Nigerian is not impacted, um, it, it it will not matter much. So mm. so as the government tells us that agriculture is being diversified, we are reducing our rice importation, for example, because we are now cultivating and producing enough uh, uh, to, 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 to feed the country, we have to see this uh, impacting on the ground. So I think um, the challenge is to, to, to see these policies being implemented and to see their effects on the ground. All right. Let me read this message from Ali M. Kachala, um, who's just uh, made a comment on our Facebook page, and I think he's uh, from Maiduguri in Nigeria. He says, uh, um, uh, Buhari's government is marred by so many challenges and political propaganda. One thing I observed from the opposition point of view, his government doesn't have a clear objective. And maybe that leads us to our next package by Collins Atahimbi, who was looking at uh, the objectives uh, that were highlighted by Buhari's government. Let's listen to this package and get an idea on some of the things that have been put uh, on the table by the current Nigerian government. Taking over the political administration of the country from Goodluck Jonathan in 2015, Buhari pledged to focus on three main issues which were security, corruption 
and economy. But down the line, the work of policing Nigeria and securing the nation for the success of the two other issues on his agenda took so much space because of contending issues. The scale weighed dangerously towards insecurity and the fight began to grow in different directions as can be seen from the cry of citizens. A group of elder statesmen led by Chief Edwin Clark, a former Federal Minister for Education, were not satisfied by the scope of things in the areas of security. At the meeting of the group's Mass Alliance for Inclusive Nigeria, Chief Clark told government to disarm headsmen before turning to seize weapons from citizens who will need them for self-defense in the face of government's inability to tame the Modaro's Fulani group. The Inspector General of Police is asking that anybody who has a gun to surrender them. We are ready to do that. But one is asking the question, when are they going to disarm the headsmen in Nigeria? Unless they do that, it will be difficult for people not to protect themselves. Protecting citizens has a call on the department which has the full overview of national security. But where those who are expected to drive the government policy on security are involved in trends that speaks otherwise of government's intention, there is little to expect. From security to economy, the story is almost the same as Nigerians wished the situation could be bettered through concerted effort on the part of government. With the irregularity in the price of oil in the world market and the very devastating effect of insurgency on the agricultural sector which the government is focusing on for other sources of revenue, an economist and a member of a partnering organ, Andrew Nevin, says all arms of governments need to come together for meaningful economic success. There's been a tremendous effort around ease of doing business, and PEBEC has done a, a fantastic job. Dr. Jamoke, the minister, and the vice president have really focused on that, and there's been a lot of progress. But what there has not been is any structural changes. I mean, it's very difficult to point to any real structural decision that we've, that's been made in this administration. So the obvious ones that's talked about are the fuel subsidy, maybe good or bad. Uh, the CBN Forex, but even issues around the power sector, issues around the way NMPC operates. These are all things that probably need some structural adjustment to them, and there hasn't been any structural changes. I think one message that we have not heard from the federal government is, what's the role of the states? If you go back to unemployment for a minute, our position is we need to create three to four million jobs a year. But to create that many jobs means that we need to create jobs in every single state, which means we need every single governor to be on board about that, to create employment. So it has an implication, what is the federal government doing to give the states the room and the support they need to do to, to enact their policies. With the economy, one can go on and on as events unfold, but there's an aspect which has not been completely dealt with, the issue of recovered loots by the Buhari administration. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am Collins Nosara Tohing before Channel Africa. Well, let's take a quick break there because that uh, package really speaks to the conversation that we've been having uh, today and also some of those uh, points that uh, were brought on by our uh, Facebook uh, commentator there on our Facebook channel. Remember, we are asking that uh, question on our Facebook page. We're asking how is uh, the first uh, term going to actually affect President Buhari's second term because we know that initially in his first term he was always going overseas for medical attention. Do you think he will do better in his second term? Give us your thoughts on our uh, Facebook page.
This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We love Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Uh, thank you for joining us on our platforms on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And you can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Let me come to you, uh, Dr. Alojo, as you could hear in that particular uh, package by Collins. The first uh, issue that seemed to, to have been of focus was the issue of um, um, security. What do you think the, the way forward is around security? Because we know the idea of uh, um, re- religion and related to also regionalism is a, is a big uh, issue in Nigeria. And also the fact that there seems to be a divide in the south and the north of the country. Uh, there seems to be tensions in that regard. In terms of bringing everyone on the table, in terms of this uh, uh, internal conflict that the current currently countries experiencing when it comes to terrorism what do you think the way forward is all right let me start with the very popular saying that there can be no peace without development and no development without peace and neither can be achieved without full respect for human rights and the rule of law now the reason why i'm citing this is because um uh, we've listened to uh dr ajala and dr La, who have rightly mentioned that there must be, uh, you know, serious uh, attempts made to address issues of socioeconomic deprivation in the country. Um, we know that if developmental issues are not addressed, I mean, we, we can't make any headway. And at the same time, if we do not address security issues, you know, you know, it's also vice versa. So they are mutually reinforcing. So first, there must be an urgent attempt by the current administration in this second term to address issues of deprivation, not only in the north of the country, but in other geopolitical zones. This is very important. Now, the other component of this has to do with human rights concerns. Now, terrorism today, it's not only about addressing uh, issues of deprivation. You must also address the criminal justice context. Now, I recently returned from a trip uh, to Lagos and Abuja, and, you know, I basically had interviews as well with um, a number of justice actors and individuals who obviously, uh, you know, drawing attention to the fact that around 5,000 uh, individuals since 2013-14 have been detained as terror suspects. Now, there are numerous concerns which have also been raised uh, by Amnesty International, by Human Rights Watch, and other local actors about the need to, uh, you know, address these concerns. So what is happening in regard to, you know, these terror suspects? Many of them are innocent. I mean, and even for those who have been uh, charged, at least let them go through, um, you know, the due process. And, you know, so this is very important. We also know that the UNDP uh, report, which was published in 2017, drew attention to the fact that around 71% of people who join terror groups, like Boko Haram, like Al-Shabaab, uh, you know, these are people who have done so because 
of governmental actions and issues of human rights abuses. Now, another thing which has to be done is the deeper involvement of the private sector. Now, this is a conversation which needs to be had, and I'm not referring to private military companies, not at all. I'm referring specifically to what the UN Security Council 2395 and 2396 talk about. And they are basically drawing attention of member states to involve private sector actors in the provision of technological solutions that can enable effective border management. We know the problem of porous borders. We know that this crisis with terrorism today is a transnational one. There is need for strengthening intelligence gathering and border management. Another thing which I think needs to be systematically explored, and perhaps we need to begin to talk about dialogue. You know, this is a conversation which is very unpopular, but then we've also seen recent reports by crisis group. Um, we've seen reports by other commentators talking about, you know, the possibility of perhaps negotiating something or having dialogue, you know, with the so-called terror groups. Now, it's a very complex conversation, and it's also very time-sensitive. But then I think the systematic exploration of this option to complement existing approaches might be the way to start. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, let sure. me just perhaps end by saying that Nigeria itself already has a national action plan on preventing and countering violent extremism. It was launched in 2017. But the problem is the implementation of the components of this plan. That is where the issue lies and also implementing it with a sense of urgency. So we need the political mm. will. Mm. We need cohesion among governmental actors, mm. as was uh, earlier mentioned, and also you know, the fact that these problems are already evident. It's just a matter of beginning to implement what has already been, you know, the research that has mm. been done on this already. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm having also a conversation while you're speaking there on our Facebook page with Ali Kachala. We just, me and him, having this conversation. It's not just the, the, the four of us, but we have a fifth person who's having a chat with us on our Facebook page. And Ali Kachala says, because uh, I asked him, how do you think Buhari can do things better? And Ali Kachala says he must have a clear objective, policies, working government that should be consistent to their promise, and above all, respect the rule of law, upholding the Constitution and practice true uh, federalism. And uh, that is talking to some of the points that you were talking to, uh, Dr. Ajala, in terms of uh, a clear policy uh, that can be actually translated to uh, the ground. Yeah, um, thank you once again. I think uh, one of the key things, if they are able to follow it through, in terms of a practical policy, it can be, um, the state police, the issue of state police, uh, because over the years, one key problem um, with, the, with the insecurities seen in this country is the fact that because of the inability of the federal police to secure the state and local government, lots of states have been developing vigilantes, and these vigilantes all on their own are also a threat to, uh, to national security because um, look at what happened with the um, civilian JPF, for instance. Many of these guys, thousands of young people were engaged on six-month contracts. They were given 30, between 30 and 50,000 pounds per naira a month um, to fight um, alongside with the military to fight Boko Haram. And after six months, they were disengaged. So what happens to these people um, at the end of the day? So if they, they are state police, I think um, when we look at the, um, the case of um, Cote d'Ivoire, for instance, with the Dozo Hunters, that's a very good case study where we can actually see how you can actually 
um, incorporate vigilantes into the state security apparatus. It worked, worked very well with the Dozo Hunters in Haifa. Oh, no, we've lost um, uh, Dr. Ajala then was highlighting good points there in terms of um, uh, the security apparatus that can be adopted. But let me give uh, Dr. Lar his last statement. I've got a minute left. So very quickly, uh, Dr. Lar, give us your, your brief uh, way forward for um, uh, Buhari's government moving forward. Two points, Benjamin, just quickly, as uh, Dr. Adela was saying, I think in Nigeria the political structure is slightly decentralized, but the security architecture, security apparatus is not decentralized. So the point is, it's been a long, ongoing debate how to devolve or decentralize uh, security uh, provisioning. And I think it's a very, very important point. Yesterday, the National Human Rights Commission just submitted a report to the president on how to reform the police, and it was very important that they highlighted this. So there's an implementation committee now uh, working for the next three months to recommend the president how to go about. So mm-hmm. I think it's a very, very important point to make. But the second point mm-hmm. is all about anti-corruption and how um, the president should have to choose between political expediency but also true accountability and transparency holding his own party members accountable. Mm-hmm. There have been several cases of party members, really party members, mm-hmm. who are found to have taken the question to answer that these have not been in forward. The president has not called them out. So I think it, it, it's about him being not just to deciding those of the opposition party, okay. but also turning the first like onto his own party. Mm-hmm. I think this would go a long way into well, thank you, James, for giving us your time. Thank you to Dr. Jimam uh, Larde, who's our political analyst, joining us on the line. Dr. Akinolo Alojo, uh, thank you as well for giving us your time. He is from the Institute of Security Studies at the senior, he's a senior lecturer rather at the Transitional Threats and International Crimes Department there. And finally, but not least, thank you to Dr. Uh, Olayinkwa Ajala. We struggle with that line in the UK, but it was great having him on the show so we can get a fuller context of the political framework in the country. And he's an associate lecturer at the University of York. Last but not least, Thank you to our citizen commentator on our Facebook. That's Ali M. Kachala. Thank you for giving us your thoughts on our Facebook page. So go to our Facebook page. Let's keep that discussion going during the day. I'm sure it could actually stimulate more conversation for future programs as well here on African Dialogue.